Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for a good time of worship. We give you thanks for the rain. We give you thanks for the sun. I pray that you can bring clarity to our minds and our hearts in the ways we see you, we connect with you, and we love others following you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's test the proper center. You got it? You don't have control? You see it now? Para atrás, para atrás. Technology is not on our side today. That's, that's. No, it's Ronnie. Got it? Okay, if one more time we have a problem with technology, Nick is buying lunch for everybody. <laughs> well, you saw a little bit of what I want to show you today, but... Um, so I, I've, been driving, I've been driving a lot the past few weeks, and something that cut my eyes over and over again were church signs, and how creative they are on ways that they try to encourage people to come to church. So we're going to go through a few one of those. Click. Worship, teaching, and friends. Sorry, English is my second language. You probably are seeing something that I'm not. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> Who sits on your throne? Well, that one I saw it on a Facebook page. Well, I click on that one because I really thought it was a Game of Thrones advertising. We love hurting people. Even I got that one. Prophecy class canceled due to unforeseen circumstances. That one is amazing. Love that one. Celebrating a tomb as empty as Carol's Baskin's heart. That one was awesome. God's no Burger King. You can have him your way. Whoever stole our AC unit, keep it. <laughs> it is hot where you are going. <laughs> I will repent after that one. If atheists are right about God, oh well. If atheists are wrong about God, oh hell. This is very clever. Jesus does not save halfway. So there are some that are pretty funny. There are other ones that are trying to scare you. I kiss a girl and I like it, then I went to hell. You don't hear Katy Perry, Katy Perry? Oh, now you don't listen to secular music. I, okay. Experts made the Titanic, amateurs made the Ark. That's a classic one. I don't know if you noticed, but a lot of these signs are Methodist churches. We're behind here. This one is pretty scary. God holds each accountable for sin and will punish. <laughs> took me a while to, to, to catch that one <laughs> you cannot enter heaven unless Jesus enters you that one was blew my mind 
Moving on. Seriously, you have a whole church. Nobody catches that? Guys having a family reunion, you come in. That's a cute way of saying you need to come. Stop, drop, and roll won't work in hell. Welcome. <laughs> and go back. That's clever. Charles, we're way behind in our science here. A lot of Methodist churches are way ahead of us. We have a couple of good phrases that we can, that we can put there. Uh, but where, where am I going with this? We, we live in a world where we consume a lot. It's, it's all about getting people's attention to participate in what we want them to participate. And churches have become part of that. And I'm going to go a little bit into, into Scripture today and, and try to develop a little bit of what we are seeing here as different churches trying to market Jesus or the church in a way that will encourage you to come, saying like, oh, that sign is pretty funny. They must probably have a hipster pastor. I should go and, and look into it or... Maybe you see a sign that really scares you, and then you feel like you need to go to that place. But this is not new. So let me, let me read the passage for today. This comes from Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. The serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal God had made. He spoke to the woman, do, we under, do I understand that God told you? not to eat from any tree from the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It is only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, don't eat from it, don't even touch it, or you will die. So the serpents told the woman, you won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything, wrenching all the way from good to evil. When the woman saw that the tree looked good for eating and realized what she would get out of it, knowing everything, she took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband, and he ate we're all familiar with this passage. Now, every great salesperson will know how to sell something to you that you don't need. Let just, we were watching some um, Instagram videos uh, with Ronnie yesterday from a, a gal that is super funny, and she was saying, Apple released iPhone 12. How will you release an iPhone when we cannot afford the ones that are available right now? But they just, Apple made it in such a way that it's making you feel like, I need to have it. I need that phone. And that's a great marketing way. So every salesperson will find a way to sell you something you don't need, but to, they will talk to you in a way that at the end of the conversation, you will feel like you need it. And they will sell it to you. And it's pretty much what is happening here. This, the serpent is the best or the first 
Bible-recorded salesperson or serial salesbee selling something that Adam and Eve didn't need. And I'm going to get into it for a second. Because today, the idea of the sermon is, what do we talk about when we talk about Jesus? The whole month, we, so in last month, we've been talking about learning the way, and this month was uh, teaching the way. So, and I, and I thought it was perfect to finish. Okay, when we talk about Jesus, what do we talk about? What is that we present to people when we talk about Jesus? And the reality of this question is sad because it's, it feels like a lot of, we have, there are a lot of different worldviews in the world. And if you think just, for example, about Christianity, there are over 30,000 denominations in Christianity. So you have over 30,000 groups that share a different view of Jesus. Maybe similar, maybe not, but they share a different view of Jesus. So what, and what's happened with that is that the good news of Christianity operates with the same consumeristic view or logic. It is sold to us as something that can fulfill something that we're missing. Churches made of Jesus a product, saying, if you come to Jesus, your problems will be over. If you come to Jesus, your financial problems will be solved. If you come to Jesus, you will not be lonely anymore. If you come to Jesus, you will meet the person that you were waiting for your entire life. If you come to Jesus, your family will be saved. So Jesus becomes a product, and the church has become part of that system of selling. And all this is deeply connected to the idea of original sin, or sin. So when we read the story of Adam and Eve and the serpent, what it comes to mind mostly is the idea of like, oh, the original sin. And sometimes we have like a, the wrong idea of what original sin kind of is because church through history have created so many theories about what original sin is about. But let's start first with sin. Sin, it mostly means separation or something that is separating you from something. And this is what Adam and Eve are experiencing with the serpent. We can all agree that when God created mankind, in Scripture said, it was good. It did not say, I stopped today, I'm going to do 2.0 tomorrow. No, after creation, after creating humanity, God said that it was good. But then comes the serpent, talking to Adam and Eve. And pretty much is telling them, you know what? You're not complete. You're missing something. You are not like God. You don't know the difference between good and evil. And then Adam and Eve, so the serpent out of nothing creates something. Creates in Adam and Eve the sense that something is missing. Something is separating them from the divine. But the serpent, as a good salesperson that is, is saying, but no worries, here we have the product that will fulfill that emptiness that you have. 
There you have it. Origin of sin. That sense of separation, that sense that you, there was always something in you. There was that sense that you have an empty hole in your being that needs to be fulfilled. Like it was a blessing before that you don't have it anymore, that you lost it. And that's what the serpent does to Adam and Eve. It's telling them pretty much, you are not good enough. You are missing something. And it's not very different than the consumeristic view in the world today. You need to get something to feel something. We're always selling you or creating something that will be attracted to you, and once you get it, you will be fulfilled. And this is not new in Christianity. Have you ever heard a song, and, and even, I, I remember we used to sing it in, um, with children's, um, there, is, there is a hole in my heart with the shape of Jesus. Are you, are you, have you ever heard? This is a known phrase. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. There is a hole with the shape of God in our hearts. Or, let's say, the idea like we are vessels that need to be filled, and Jesus will fill us up. The church is not offering a freedom nowadays of this consumeristic view. The church became part of the machine. We are selling just another product with a lot of worldviews that will fulfill that emptiness that you have in your life, that will make you complete. Like, you come to church, and, and I, I spoke about this like a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago, that the reasons why some people come to church is because you've been promised a solution to a problem that you're having. Like, Jesus is the fixer. It's the fix. There is a hole in your life right now. God is going to fill it. And all this creates, all this idea of separation and emptiness and the pursuit for something that we're missing creates the idea of idols. And we see it in Scripture a lot. And when we talk about idols in the world today, we always think, for example, about money. We will work a lot in order to make this much money because once we make this much money, we will be okay. Our life will be on track. Or our idol can be the way we look nowadays. I'm going to work out a lot because the moment that I achieve this weight and this shape, I will be happy. So idol could be anything. Idol is not something that has a value in itself, but an idol becomes an idol because we play it in that object or thing or being or action enough value that will make it an idol to us. We put value on something that is not actually valuable at all. And the scary part of this view, of this um, seeking the object that will fulfill that separation or that emptiness that we have, is that sometimes we make God an idol. 
But I'm but misunderstanding the, the nature of our faith. We turn the good news of, Christ, of Christianity into the bad news of idol worship. If you pay attention, like a lot of our contemporary worship songs, which I love, but I don't, all a lot about things that we need and Jesus fulfilling that need. Have you ever wondered why people that call themselves Christians do not act like Christians should act? I wonder that all the time. Why do people that should be acting some way because they are Christians are not acting that way? Well, the answer is easy. They bought a product. So when you buy a product, you have it, and then you move on up to the next thing. So if you come to church because, well, I was promised that Jesus was going to feed this hole, Jesus does not become that transformative thing in your life. Jesus becomes an object that fills something that you just were looking for. People does not buy a transformative experience. What people is buying is what the church is selling is a product. A friend, a friend told me yesterday, do you notice that Jesus at any point in Scripture says, worship me? What he often says is, follow me? Have you ever noticed that? Do you know that? I went to seminary and I didn't know that. That was shocking to me because that applies to this. It's like we, we focus, it's like, it's like love. We can say we're in love with somebody, but we show that love by following that person, by being with that person. So we have this view of Jesus as a product that is being sold to us because it's filling a space that we had empty. We reduce Jesus to an idol. So the question has to be asked, what if Jesus did not come to fill the empty cup that we bring, but smashes it into pieces, bringing freedom, not from our darkness and dissatisfactions, but freedom from our felt need to escape them? What if Jesus did not come to rescue from that hole that you're living right now in your life? but came to transform you in a way that your perception of these holes, that hole changes? What if Jesus did not come to make you feel less lonely, but come to transform you in a way that that loneliness is not overpowering you anymore, dominating you? What do we talk when we talk about Jesus? Because if we, if we read well, Jesus even said, After all, God makes the sun rise on evil and on the, and on, on the evil and on the good, and sends the rain on the righteous and on the unrighteousness, unrighteous. So if Jesus came to make your life better, then why is he saying that actually, well, it's going to keep raining upon you, and it's going to keep raining upon them. It's going to be sunshine out 
upon you is going to be sunshine upon them. Jesus is not saying your life is going to change. From now on, you're going to be rich. From now on, you're going to have a family. From now on, you're going to marry the love of your life. From now on, everything will be happiness. What Jesus is coming to do is to transform the way you live your own life. The way Jesus is coming to remind you who God is. And Jesus is coming to remind you that you were created in God's image. And Jesus is coming to remind you that creation is good. That you are good. That that sense of emptiness, of separation that you have, is fake news. It's not there. It's something that the enemy created in you that was never there. Jesus is coming to tell you like, hey, because you have this perception your entire life, you became somebody that you were not supposed to be. So I'm here to see you smash who you are into pieces and build you up again. Just to remind you that you are good. Just to remind you that you are not missing anything. But also to remind you that it will rain. Also to remind you that there will be storms. Also to remind you that there will be sunshine. But now you know in the image of whom you were created of. Once you understand that Jesus is not a product, once you understand, let's say, if Jesus comes to fill that hole that we have in our life, we are reducing the divinity of God into something very small. Let's say if we are a, a, a cup and Jesus is coming to fill us up and Jesus is water, what shape that cup, that water has? It has our shape. Instead of us becoming into the image of God, we make God into our own image. And Jesus is coming to smash that idea and say, actually, I'm going to build you into my own image. Jesus came to bring transformation, not satisfaction. And once we understand that, it changed the way we talk to people about who Jesus is. We can tell them all they want. You need, you need to come to Connect Service at First United Methodist Church because Nick and the worship team are crushing it. They are so good. But people can hear good musicians and then go home and still be the same because we were selling them a product. You can tell, tell them, and this is a true story, that the preacher at Connect is probably the best preacher you ever heard. Except for Charles, <laughs> the senior pastor. And they can come, they can listen, and they can leave, and they can never be transformed because they, can't, they came to buy that product. But if you come and tell them, we're inviting you to be part of a very imperfect group of people that are walking with Jesus and trying to be transformed by Jesus together, Supporting each other in rainy days, enjoying with each other on these shiny days, sunshine days. I'm inviting you to a transformative community because that community has been transformed by Jesus.
a community that is not buying a product, a community that is trying to be as much as Jesus as they can. Let me pray. God, I pray that we can be touched by your Holy Spirit and understand that you are beyond us. You are greater than us. That there is not enough space in our heart for you because you are everything. That you don't come to fill a hole in our life, but we become part of who you are. So I pray that we can live today Knowing a little bit better than when we talk about Jesus, we are not talking about an idol. We are talking about God. That we're talking about the creator of everything. We're talking about the word of God. We're not talking about an idea that can fulfill something that we are missing. We are talking about somebody that can transform the way we see that thing that we're missing. And in that way, when we don't get what we want, we will not be shaken because we know who you are in you, because you have transformed us. So I pray today that you can prepare our minds, soul, and hearts to be transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we can become your image and stop seeing our image in you. Help us to connect with you. Help us to follow you, Jesus, to walk your steps and to live and love like you did and to go through circumstances in the way you expected us to go. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.